Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Oh, this is Morris, and I say keep on listening to George, 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 George. 99.7 FM. This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. On the Football Daily Podcast, this is the Euroleagues. Hello there, it's the Euroleagues on the Football Daily. Guillaume Balaguer is with us as always. Hey Guillaume. Hello Steve, how are you? Very well, how are you doing? Yeah, alright, alright, alright. I've just arrived from, uh, where have I been? Ah, San Sebastián. (laughs) (laughs) San Sebastián, I was there, yes. In fact, I should remember because this is a place with more Michelin-style restaurants and I've tasted two of them, so I should have remembered that. I also went for work. Well, I saw, actually, I saw you tweeting that you'd gone to interview a couple of people and you said we talked about cooking and football, which sounds like the most Guillaume Balaguet interview ever. It's uh, uh, two Michelin-style chef and Robin Lenormand, who for me is possibly one of the best centre-backs in La Liga and is going to become even bigger, and uh, and it was an interesting conversation. Two uh, two people at the elite, and the um, huge amount of things that they've got in common. You know the uh, methodology and what they do, the stress of things, working as a team. Yeah, that that was a really good chat. Well, we also have with us on the Euroleague someone who absolutely detests when pineapple and pizza meet. James Horncastle. <laughs> I'm glad that was finally shown up on a YouGov poll uh, last week. Yes. Uh, all the things that Italians do not find acceptable. Uh, garlic bread, for example, just doesn't really exist. Uh, really? In, in That's not a thing? Well, I mean, you know, you will get... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you will get a focaccia or something like that, but the idea of having a garlic bread, as you see it in the UK, served with a pizza, which is you know, bread on bread, uh, <laughs> or served with pasta... Just, uh, just doesn't work. How about um, Nutella pizza? What do we say about that? I mean, uh, I've never heard of that, but I'm instantly keen. That is a the thing. The chef that, yeah, that I was that with, is a thing. he said yeah. that, that, that that exists. Uh, it's very good. In fact, our dear friend Julien Laurence, uh, mm-hmm. when I've been in Italy with him, he has had that, even though uh, he doesn't ordinarily eat anything that's kind of sugary or chocolate. And he made an exception. And you know how energetic Julian is most days. Um, I mean, after having that, it was the most (laughs) hyper I've ever seen Julian. So, Well, uh, Christoph Therese is with us. And Christoph, your um, hellos are normally quite downbeat. But maybe if we sort of fed you Nutella (coughs) pizza, we would get you you energised from the word go. I don't like it. I've I've tried it before. I don't like it, uh, Nutella pizza. To be fair, it's just yeah, it's just like 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 bread with Nutella basically, and it's melted. So not for me, James. The Belgians commit more crimes against Italian food than than even people from Middlesbrough. Um, you, know, <laughs> you put true. chips on pizza. Uh, oh no, that, that, that's that, that that's Middlesbrough. That's not that's not <laughs> Belgians. <laughs> I haven't seen it here, to be fair. Before we commit crimes against broadcasting, 
<laughs> let's let's get underway with the Euroleagues. But actually, Guillaume, no, normally at some point we would ask you what have you been up to. But I, I know the most important thing that you've done this week, which which is not go go and interview people about Nutella pizza. Um, and whilst we're plugging stuff, we might as well plug that there is a new short form European football podcast coming to BBC Sounds. Uh, there are only ten minute episodes. It's a limited series. It's called Wonder Kids. And we are building a starting 11 of the most talented and hyped prospects in world football. And one of the episodes will feature you. Yes, uh, we're talking about Gabby, but uh, I've seen the contract. I cannot say a single thing of Gabby until he comes out. So I'll yes. leave it there. There you Gabby, go. But it, is, about Gabby. it is happening. I can tell you that. So there you go. Wonder Kids, episode one, uh, is out next Tuesday. So there you go. We are going to talk about, uh, well, Guillaume mentioned Gavi there, we're going to talk about Adama Traore, his his new Barcelona teammate. A little bit later, he had a brilliant debut for Barca. Uh, we'll look at the Copa del Rey semi-finals. Manuel Pellegrini, remember him? His Real Betis team have taken a step toward the final with a first leg win against Rayo Vallecano, who were a club at the minute knee-deep in controversy. So we're going to get into that. We're going to start, though, uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo because he's he's going through his worst club goal drought since 2010, that was his, his early days at Real Madrid. He, he was dropped for Manchester United's one-all draw with Burnley this week. Uh, but this is the Euroleagues, so we're not going to really talk about the game with Burnley. We thought we'd approach this from a, a, a Euroleagues perspective, James. Um, and perfectly, you actually spoke to uh, to Leonardo Bonucci for The Athletic at the back end of last year. And I thought that was quite a telling interview about what has become... Almost one of the culture wars of, of British media football at the moment, which is Cristiano Ronaldo. When he scores a goal, he's amazing. How can anybody possibly question him? And when he doesn't, he's a terrible influence on this team. <laughs> Look, I think Bellucci was interesting because he said that when they signed Cristiano, obviously they had won seven league titles in a row. They'd been to a couple of Champions League finals. And he was supposed to be the missing piece. Uh, and just by signing Cristiano, it had a psychological effect on, on the group, which was not so much this will get easy now, but it's okay, we've got Cristiano, he'll take care of it. And when you begin to think like that, you think less about the collective. You orientate your game around Cristiano and you end up playing less for Juventus and more for Ronaldo and I think over time uh, that led to Juventus losing uh, themselves a little bit losing their identity their DNA uh, whatever you want to call it and you have this paradox which we're seeing at Manchester United uh, right now and it's entirely predictable which is there are still Ronaldo moments um, where he comes up and wins games late, where he still pits in memorable highlights uh, rather than performances, I would say. And they generate a lot of reaction. Wow, look at Cristiano, he's still got it. But uh, all they do is cover up some of the, the dysfunction, um, the flaws within the system, uh, the difficulties uh, playing a collective, high-pressing game, which you absolutely have to do 
at the highest level of the game these days to to be competitive and win what he wants to win still, which is the Champions League. And yeah, in Italy, they began to say that he he is the problem to the, he is the solution to the problem he creates. Which hmm. you know, the managers like Maurizio Sarri, Andrea Pirlo, even Ralph Rangnick now they have to compromise on their on their ideals because Ronaldo is bigger than the team, bigger than the club. It becomes very difficult to to design a system away from him, to drop him. Um, you have to, because of how much he, he costs the club, you have to find the solution that includes him. Uh, and often that means that you have to go away from, you know, what you stand for as a, as a coach in terms of your philosophy. And yet the problems that having Ronaldo, you know, uh, creates, he solves them by scoring these goals, which, you know, in, in Man United's case, have got them through to the round of 16 in the Champions League. This is a discussion with many layers, and you already touched on some of them. Um, Steve, we're kind of making fun of how the media treats him. But English media, British media, has always been about controversy and personalities. And he's got all that, hasn't he? So if he scores because he scores, if he doesn't because he doesn't, it just fills fills pages. And uh, that doesn't really take us to a real deep analysis of, of the situation, just feeds the machine. Um, if he was in a, as as James is pointing out, in a structure that worked, he would be perfect. For example, Manchester City. If he had ah, gone to Manchester City, if he had gone to Manchester City, which was just do not believe anything you you hear unless is Mendes and Cristiano wanted to join Pep Guardiola, and Pep Guardiola was happy to have him. Well, Cristiano wouldn't have gone to positions in which you find Bernardo Silva or Sterling or Gundogan or or, or, or Mares. He would have done his job in the box because, by the way, uh, when he was at the peak of his game, say at, at Real Madrid, for instance, in his last season, two thirds of the goals he scored, two thirds were one-touch goals, and 96% of the goals he scored, he scored them inside the box. So he had already found the best way of uh, of using, utilizing what uh, what what his body was allowing to allowing him to do. But he went to Juventus, and now he's doing that very clearly. And comes out of the box, goes on the left-hand side, slows things down, picks, you know, puts his foot on, on, on the ball and changes the pace of the game completely because he needs to touch a ball. But more importantly, and this is a thing what's, what's happening at Manchester United, because he doesn't trust his teammates, he doesn't listen to the manager, who I'm sure he's told him a hundred million times, man, just wait in the box. <laughs> the ball will, got, will get to you, but he doesn't do that. He, he slows things down, doesn't help uh, Manchester United at all. And uh, and how you improve on that is difficult when actually he feels it's much bigger of what he's got next to him. Not so much Manchester United, but he, I, I'm sure because you can tell in the way he's playing that he doesn't trust his teammates and, and the manager. Uh, he feels he's bigger than that. Well, how can you tell him to actually become smaller, to become bigger? The, the, the Michael Jordan thing. Um, and I don't think there is anybody there within our authority to tell him that and him believe in it and act upon it. Isn't he missing some motivation too? Because the other uh, extraterrestrial isn't scoring in the league either. So uh, Lionel Messi, they always uh, used to be named as the one motivating the other. The motivation, Lionel Messi, isn't scoring either. So we have our two extraterrestrials not performing up to their level and both are in a new club. Just, just Christoph once he scored two goals in the league, hit the post seven times. 
Oh, like, come on. <laughs> I know. What, that's that's six, six, that's six months. Come on. What, and fi- by the way, five goals in five games in the Champions League. By the way, thir- he's been involved in 13 goals in 16 games that he's played for PSG. We yeah, but if we were only judging it on numbers, then Ronaldo's numbers are good as well. The point is we're not, are we? That is a bigger picture, absolutely, which is a completely different bigger picture. That's why I wouldn't compare them both uh, in, in, in this situation. But anyway, continue, Christophe. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's just also, is he still the right player for the right league? In Italy, everything goes a bit slower from time to time. There he was scoring for fun. You see, but many strikers who have come from Italy are gone to the, from Serie A to Premier League and the other way around... I can't believe you're turning on Lukaku like this, Christoph. This is this is unbelievable from you. <laughs> it, it, it's it's just it's just what I see, James. It's just what, something you notice. You see it with Tammy Abraham, who was scoring uh, at uh, at Chelsea, but now at Roma he's scoring more. Olivier Giroud scored uh, four goals, I think, or even five goals, uh, if I'm not wrong, in Italy. Zlatan is still scoring. The oldies are doing it in Italy. Italy is a good retirement home. <laughs> but the, oh, come the on. Point, European champions the point, for the young team. <laughs> the, the point is we're not we're not focusing on the numbers because if we did focus on the numbers, you know, the, the the numbers are the reason why Ronaldo can be can be defended. So and we we know what his numbers are like. You know, Manchester United in terms of you know goals scored are far better with him in the team. Um they're actually far worse with him in the team when it comes to goals. Conceded, but but going back to your interview, James, with with Benucci, I've just picked out one of the quotes here. Subconsciously, and you alluded to this, subconsciously players started to think his presence alone was enough to win games. I wonder if if that is the most telling thing when it comes to what's happening at Manchester United, because the, the whole point around identity, Juventus had one to lose, and Manchester United arguably didn't. I think you can say that. But United, up until that point, as much as there was still this feeling that for them to really push on and win league titles, the missing piece was the manager in that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had taken them as far as he could, but his space didn't fit next to Klopp's, next to Guardiola's, next to Tuchel's. That was the edge that they were missing. But the personnel that they'd actually recruited up until the, what, the final days of the transfer window did inspire some confidence that United were going to keep getting closer. Now you put Ronaldo in there and the dynamic has completely changed. I mean, go back a couple of years. I mean, who has become the dominant personality at United, the most decisive match winner? It's been Bruno. And Bruno has been a shadow of say Raphael Honigstein, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Um, now, you know, Bruno, his form has suffered. Um, he's no longer as decisive. You know, I, I think as we saw when Cristiano came to Juventus, yeah, he wants to score goals himself. He wants to be the centre of attention. You know, that means you, you take other players, offset pieces who are who are better, frankly. Yeah, it was Miral and Pjanic at Juventus. Um, yeah, one of the best free kick takers of his generation. Um, no longer taking free kicks. Uh, same with Dybala. And your best your best players up until Ronaldo in the final third all of a sudden become eclipsed, have to change their own game in order to adapt to his. And I think it's a, it's a golden spanner in the works. 
Does modern football still need strikers? I was watching Manchester City <laughs> again yesterday, and yeah, you have se- you have you uh, four midfielders with Chris seven Cup. goals, and then you don't need Ronaldo anymore. Everybody's scoring. It's just a team sport, and business has made uh, business has made uh, wants the individuals to get to, to get the likes and uh, and the commercial uh, revenue, but. Teams are doing what about it. goalkeepers? Do we need goalkeepers anymore? Come on. <laughs> no, deep strikers. Do you need them? Do you still need them? The type of Ronaldo? Not sure. Guillaume, just one more on this before we move on then, because I've said a couple of times now we're not focusing on the numbers. I have to, I have to mention them, because if not, it's quite a one-sided discussion. And, you know, the, the Benucci comments that we've come back to a couple of times, you know, he said that in a season when Cristiano Ronaldo scored 29 goals. So I guess the question has got to be, you know, what, what James has said is, is a very interesting point about, you know, the idea of building a new identity can be hamstrung by Ronaldo but whoever the manager is for Manchester United next season and bearing in mind Ronaldo's contract doesn't expire this summer it expires next summer is there a way for a new coach to come in with a new idea and make Cristiano part of it I don't think they've got the players for that to happen for Cristiano to be important and not only to score the 25 goals that makes the team still competing for the Champions League, but go to the next level and win the Champions League or win the Premier League. You need a team that actually spends most of the time in the last third. So he'll be the one finishing it. You have to be a manager that has got a big enough personality to tell Cristiano a couple of things and make sure that he listens and, and acts upon it and otherwise punish him otherwise, you know, leaving him out of the squad or, or, or the team. That kind of thing has to happen. Because he thinks he runs the team, Cristiano, now. Uh, so on one hand, you, ha- you need the personality. On the other, you need to design a squad for Cristiano to shine. And of course, if you've got that kind of finisher, do so. But that means right now, you look at Manchester United, you have to change the midfield. You have to change the players around him uh, in attack as well. A lot of things to do. Or you look for goals in a different way and you get rid of Cristiano. That will be also a big decision to take from the next manager. Do you really want Cristiano? If so, you have to play to his strengths, but you don't have the squad. So that's where Manchester United are. Guillaume Balagay, James Horncastle, Christoph Tura, all with us on the Euroleagues. Uh, let's talk about a, a new signing at Barcelona who's had a brilliant instant impact. We talked already last week about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Adama Traore going there. On deadline day, uh, well, they got off to a perfect start. Beat Atletico Madrid 4-2 to go two points above them into fourth place. Traore uh, got an assist for Gavi. I know you were watching the game, Christoph. He was brilliant, Adama, wasn't he? Yes, and I was I was particularly impressed with him. With it was he had it's, it's his game had everything. It was you, you, you we knew knew he had the pace and the power, but. He was quite good in the box too. He was uh, his assists were good. So, yeah, it was a brilliant game. To be fair, that first half, whoa! Uh, it's one of the. I was, I was, I was watching that game, and uh, I was going to watch the game, and I was not expecting too much, having seen Barcelona, having seen Atletico. But I was blown away by Barcelona. I think Guillaume was. Were, were you in, in attendance, Guillaume? Were you uh, blown away by Adama's pace too? It's amazing and. Seeing that he wasn't used a lot anymore at Wolves, it even surprised me more. 
this is an interesting one as well. Where people seeing Adama at Barcelona thinking, yeah, because the league is poor, because Barcelona is poor, because it's easy to actually shine at Barcelona. And it's not that. It's actually the Barcelona created very clearly the conditions for him to shine. At Wolves, he became a little bit, give him the ball when he played, give him the ball and see what he can do. But yeah, he was absolutely terrific. He was, uh, if, you call him, if you call him a debut or, or re-debut, because of course he played, I think he made his debut in 2013 under Tata Martino and to replace Neymar. <laughs> Those were all the times, weren't they? But uh, didn't have a huge impact at the time, his comeback. And yes, he assisted for the 2-1. Barcelona considered the first goal, but managed to turn things around. Uh, he was brilliant 1v1 with uh, Mario Hermoso, the, uh, the full-back of Atletico Madrid, to such a point that Simeone, in minute 27, changed the formation and the place where the players were playing, because uh, the, the roles, because Joao Felix went from playing on the left, so having to track back to stop or to help Mario Hermoso to stop Adama, didn't do that. So then they moved Carrasco from the right to the left, to help uh, Mario Hermoso. All that still, with all that, Adama kept going and going and going. He made two dribbles, doesn't sound a lot, but one Atletico Madrid were defending so deep, it was important for Barcelona to have some fluidity. He didn't lose the ball, so when the ball came to him, either a cross went in or he just continued with the, with the, with the move and tempo is important to Barcelona. Managed an impressive 83% uh, pass success. Man of the match. Uh, after 61 minutes, pass he success, went. success, did you say? Eighty-three uh, percent pass success. Eighty-three. I was going to say, so it doesn't sound that impressive. <laughs> no, eighty-three. Which is for, for a winger, it's it's good. I mean, for a midfielder, it won't be good enough. But uh, such an impressive start of his career there, and what Xavi needed a winger that uh, Barcelona are thinking of swapping him for Trincao, another winger that hasn't really success succeeded. Trincao to go to Wolves and. Uh, Guillaume, what kind of team is Xavi trying to create? Because a lot of people's initial reaction to Barcelona signing, signing Adama was like, hang on a minute, they trawled out some old quotes from Xavi uh, about uh, about him, um, uh, I think Aubameyang as well. And uh, there was this feeling that the player did not align with the Barca DNA, that um, in some respects he's He's very vertical, very direct, uh, which I tend to think is something that has always been at the heart of Guardiolismo and various bits. Um, but there was, a, there was a feeling that he just did not conform to what people expected from Chabi. I think there, there was a feeling that Chabi would just buy 10 midfield players who were all very diminutive and would pass five, the ball 500 times a game. No, but and whoever thought that way didn't understand what the uh, 4-3-3 of Barcelona is like. The 4-3-3 of Barcelona of 2012, which is where Xavi wants to go to, I think, more than how Pep Guardiola, having come from Barcelona, has shown us the present and the future of football is. That's not where Xavi wants to go. He wants to go backwards, I think, in, from that point of view, which means requ he requires specialists, especially in the winger position. You have to stay very wide. Remember when, I don't know, Samuel Eto played there or Pedro played there or Villa played there. That's what he wants him to do. Uh, within the pitch, especially now, what, um, interestingly enough, Xavi has found in the way that teams defend against Barcelona compared to 2012, 13, 14, etc., is that, of course, uh, they either pressure high and he has to find new ways of beating that or go very, very deep and compact. 
so allow them the the wide areas to do whatever they want because they they can defend safely they think the rivals of Barcelona in in the box to beat all that you need to within the pitch but to to be a real threat not just get the ball and you know I'm a dama, I'm about to do something magical to actually do it which he did so 4-3-3 requires at least one of those players the one that he's using on the left or he did use against Atletico Madrid is Gavi who was coming inside and allowing Jordi Alba to be the wide player it's about the usage of the space, but it is about leaving in the last third and trying to beat defenders in the way that they used to do Barcelona. That's 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 the aim. Just think of Barcelona of six, seven years ago. That's what he's trying to replicate. That's like Alexis mm. Sanchez Barcelona, actually, isn't it, as well? You think about the players that were in that Barcelona team, sort of 2011, 2012. You know, Alexis Sanchez isn't necessarily someone you would look at and think, oh, that's that's an obvious part of Barcelona's DNA, but he was very successful at that at that particular period. Yeah, and he actually had to transform his his football to adapt to that, mm. these demands that we're asking for. What does the winger need to do? Not only he's got to be white, he's got to receive the ball, as I say, give it, keep giving it, and keep trying one-by-ones. There is no many players that do that these days, so Alexis had to adapt to that. He was more, uh, in Italy, was more of a nine, if you like. Uh, and Adama is going to be very, very useful to, uh, to do this kind of thing too. And, and Dembele, who, by the way, uh, has returned to the squad, uh, as uh, as we predicted, because they need it. Guillaume, do you think that Traore, having been in the Premier League, having transformed physically, if you compare the Traore that left Barcelona, the Traore that he is now, has an advantage in Spain, where it's uh, where players always say it's it's more difficult to adapt than in the Premier League, where you have less space, where defense is more tricky with his pace and with his physicality that he can definitely make more difference now than before? For sure, but I see an end of the effect of Adama Traore. I hope he doesn't get too upset with this. But uh, Mario Hermoso was offered him all the time the inside, sorry, the outside. He was showing him the outside all the time, which is what he wants to do. He's a right-footed player playing on the right-hand side. He wanted to run to the uh, to the to, to, to the end of the line and put a cross in. And Mario Hermoso kept showing him that all the time. Guess what? That won't happen for often. I mean, it'll be just uh, the next the next uh, full back will just show him inside, and there will be one or two players waiting for him. So it'll be difficult for Adama to have the same impact that he's had. But uh, yeah, so so far so far so good. And and yes, it's uh, that pace. It does look like he's going you know, 20 miles an hour faster than anybody else on the pitch. Obviously, in uh, in Spain, you know, Real Madrid, uh, well, I was going to say comfortably clear, six points clear of, of Sevilla at the moment. You look around some of the other leagues in Europe, obviously here in England, Manchester City, 12 points clear. Uh, I think we know that Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain are going to win their respective leagues. We're actually looking to Italy for the, the really great title race, James. You have the, the Milan derby last weekend, Milan beating Inter. Uh, so that, thanks to two goals from Olivier Giroud, actually, as well. So the top of the table looks like this. Uh, Inter, 53 points from 23 games. They've got a game in hand over the sides below them. So that's Napoli, one behind on 52. Milan also on 52. And then Juve on 45. From a neutral's perspective, that result has, has set the title race up beautifully. It has, because uh, going into it, uh, there was a feeling that... Uh, if Milan lost, then the title race was over. Um, and it's been quite interesting how Napoli have been kind of forgotten about in all of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that they are only a point behind uh, Inter. 
and have been on a good run of form since the beginning of the year. They're getting some of the players who were injured or at the African Cup of Nations back. So you think of their captain, uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, well, not captain, but lead one of their principal leaders coming back. Uh, Ossiman, uh, their record signing, has recovered from uh, surgery on a fractured cheekbone and an eye socket. Um, so, you know, they, at the very least, have got a manager in Luciano Spalletti who, a little bit like uh, Claudio Ranieri, for, you know, uh, in many ways, although Spalletti is a much more avant-garde, innovative, on-trend manager than, than Ranieri, uh, yeah, he is famous for finishing second in Italy. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he's he's won the league in Russia. Uh, he has won cups in Italy, but there's, there's a feeling that he's at least a guarantee of getting Napoli back into the Champions League, which is something that eluded his predecessor, Gennaro Gattuso. And, and also, yeah, Carlo Ancelotti, when Ancelotti got... Um, well, there was a mutual separation, let's say, uh, eight, 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 two years ago. But... I suppose, I mean, everyone still expects Inter to retain their title but just because they did not go into meltdown when Conte walked away. And there's now there's now a feeling, Antonio, uh, were you right in that decision? Um, because they, they have shown themselves capable of replacing Lukaku um, with a stopgap in Dzeko, who, you know, is in his mid-30s, but is someone who is very capable um, still in, in Serie A and someone who could become, you know, one of any, I'm trying to think of the others who've won the league in England, um, Germany and in Italy if he wins it this this year. I mean, that's that again puts him in a very exclusive club. Yeah, they replaced uh, Ericsson with Hakim Chalanoglu, who's done very well. Uh, Hakimu with Denzel Dumfries. Um, yeah, they've got into the round 16 of the Champions League for the first time in a, in a long time. And they've been playing a a more relaxed, uh, expressive style of football um, this this season. Um, a little bit like Juventus did after Conte left, and it, it felt that mentally um, they they had um, the fortitude and, and the wherewithal to, to win things. But after overcoming that and and, and jumping that hurdle, um, they they no longer had a complex, um, and they were able to show more of themselves and more of their ability through that. But into losing this game has revealed uh, you know, a couple of trends. One is that in the big games this season, um, they've often been at the wrong side of the results on fine margins. You know, they've, they've only won one of, of six games against the other teams that were title contenders at the start of the season. The other is that they tend to lose their heads. Um, you know, Barella, for example, at the end of the group stage of the Champions League, uh, lost his head. He'll miss both games, I think, against Liverpool um, because of the suspension. You look at the, the the first defeat that they had in 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 the season. In Simone Inzaghi goes back to Lazio. They're in the lead, and and Lazio come back and win in part because Inter lost their heads when they got an advantage when one of their players was down injured. They played it, didn't take it. Lazio went up there, the other end, and scored. Inter complained. Lazio then scored again. They lost, and it was the same in this one in 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 Giroud's equalising goal in the derby, which Inter dominated for an hour. Olivier Giroud takes out Alexis Sanchez in the build-up to the goal. Inter feel that the goal shouldn't have stood. It stood, and they weren't able to react. And they've now got this very tough run of fixtures coming up. They played Roma in the cup quarter final uh, in midweek. They won that, but they've got Napoli coming up. 
Um, they've got these both games against uh, Liverpool coming up. So there's a feeling that if Inter struggle through this month, then certainly this title race with, with Milan and Napoli can go down to the wire. Uh, if they don't struggle, then they might win the title by seven or ten points mm. again, as they did last season. Let me say that uh, La Liga, there's still a title fight going on. There's six points separating Sevilla and, and Real Madrid. Yeah, but it didn't but help me make my point, Guillaume. So. No, I know, I know. That's what, that's what left the answer of James before saying anything on that. But, uh, but um, what's interesting is that because you don't have Real Madrid and Barcelona clearly uh, at the top, there's a reaction, say in, in the UK, but also in Spain a little bit, like, what's going on with this league when, you know, as, as has been happening in the last few years, Real Madrid and Barcelona are not uh, at the best. And are we, uh, do we have to take the conclusion that the league is poorer or actually is, is better? And more and more clues we're getting that the league is better because some of the money that's coming into the um, into La Liga means that they can invest into better players. You don't need to get rid of your best players like uh, Sevilla's got with Conde, etc. Um, and I wonder if that uh, debate, even though in Serie A already is, is already a couple of years, three maybe, that uh, you've been, it's been a very competitive league at the top, if the impression is the same, if there is no dominating teams, if there is a side of the media that says this is not what it used to be, as in a negative thing. Look, there's, there, I think both can can coexist. Um, I, I think there's a feeling that the, the league is more competitive and it's better for having Inter and Milan, who, for the most part of the last decade, were in a mess. Um, they've sorted their, themselves out a little bit, even though there are still some lingering doubts about um, Inter's project and its sustainability. But to have a title race, but also a real kind of battle for top four, um, which has been going on for the last couple of years, has really kind of re-engaged people um, with the league. That said, even though Inter got to the Europa League final a couple of years ago under Conte, where they lost to Sevilla, there is still this kind of, not self-loathing, but uh, why aren't we better in Europe? Um, you know, we, we've, we've seen our national team play a style of football, which is in keeping with what the best teams in the Champions League play. You know, why is it that Atalanta... The, the team that's relatively speaking, speaking most underfunded uh, has less resources. Why are they the ones that are going further than Juventus under Cristiano, than Inter under Conte? And and so what you have on a sort of Saturday-Sunday is, wow, this is really exciting, isn't it? Brilliant. Exactly. And then on Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, you have a bit of a reality check. <laughs> but this, right, so this is something that this is something that d does annoy me, Christoph. You can come in on this. Is that you know the, the idea that and, and I would compare it to when um, it's a slightly extreme example. But I remember when Leicester won the Premier League. You know, there was this whole thing of like, ah, yes, but what does Leicester winning the Premier League with X amount of points say about the rest of the league? Which is fine, but we're in football for the enjoyment, for goodness' sake. Like, <laughs> give me an exciting title race any day of the week, surely. Definitely, I, I will. I, I'm enjoying in Italy. It's uh, already for at a season before. It was also tied between uh, between the Juventus and Juve, and it was AC Milan and Inter. They have title races. It's not one team that's 20 points ahead, so 12 points ahead in the Premier League as it is now. And then you go, oh, it's already finished. Manchester City will become champions unless Liverpool uh, make a make a huge effort and and, and blow them over. So. Um, 
title races are just fun or you sometimes you just want as now is happening in the in, I have to bring up the Belgian league with Union Saint-Gilloise being top of the league yes. uh, that's something you want you want change sometimes not Great always story. Bayern Munich uh, winning the league or PSG winning the league just bring another story it's just all about good stories I think Exactly. More USG than PSG. That's what we. There's there the we go. Yes, that's, that's what that's what we agree on. So. Guillaume's got a mischievous <laughs> look on his face. No, it, it, it it's an interesting um, thinking process that the Champions League brings into into nations, into media, into commentators, because uh, very well explained by James is true. At the weekend, yes, we we think that Sevilla beats Real Madrid to get three points from them, and then anything is possible. They all, they fought for the league until the last four uh, four fixture lists of, of of the season last campaign. It's possible, and it may, it will make it exciting. But yes, to see that Barcelona are in the Europa League, for instance, and that uh, you know the Champions League, Sevilla struggles, and and so on, uh, and that Villarreal are lucky to be there. Just puts us in our place, and and uh, and that's the excellence, isn't it? So we have to aim to the excellence, and the fight from everyone in La Liga is to actually be able to compete with the with the English uh, clubs. They're doing it the wrong way because they think it's all about money. I think it's all about organization, decision making, a lot of things that we don't see. But in any case, that is the battle, and uh, and yeah, that there is that double thinking about it. Uh, exciting, but also mm, we need to improve. Yeah, and look, that that brings us on nicely to our last story, actually, which is what's been happening in the the Copa del Rey, because we've got two teams in the semi-finals, and there's there's stories on and off the pitch around both of them. But but either Real Betis or Rayo Vallecano uh, winning the Copa del Rey would be in of itself an absolutely fascinating story, and not everything has to be seen through the prism through the lens of of the biggest clubs. Um, l- let's talk about that semi-final specifically, Guillaume, and we'll get on to some big controversy around Rayo Vallecano. But Real Betis won the first leg against Rayo 2-1, and it's Manuel Pellegrini's Real Betis. We've not heard about him for a little while. Do you know how old he is? I think oh, six, 68. Oh, sorry. You're going to answer your own quiz question. 68? <laughs> yeah, no. I think it's 68. I, I looked uh, yesterday. It was very late at night, so I may have got it wrong, but uh, it's it's something like that, which which tells you somebody that um, that has still obviously got the the energy to do what he does, but uh, his decision making has been unbelievable. And this is the kind of guy that just by walking you improve <laughs> because you know he's elegant. He's a he's a gentleman. The way he talks, the way he deals with everyone, you just have to be at at his level. And the same team that struggled last season and they were on a very negative dynamic and the Ruby, the previous manager, were, were going to go down almost. Now they are in the Champions League places. Same players because they don't have money and uh, that's something that obviously has upset Pellegrini a little bit. But instead he said, OK, well, if I have to improve the players that have got a will, William Carvalho looks amazing. Fekir, who uh, failed a medical with Liverpool and, uh, and at the time we were talking about him being one of the best 10 in Europe. We haven't seen so much of that, but we are seeing it now. Canales, who missed the, the first leg of the semifinals because of COVID, but Canales is just playing the best football of his career at what must be 30, 31 now. Uh, they've got a variety of strikers that defend really well when they actually had been for five consecutive years the worst defence in Europe. <laughs> so it's good to see Pellegrini actually managing to, um, to keep the, or, or pushing the standards high but keeping them high as well. Very demanding in his own kind of 
gentle way. Uh, and uh, and everybody's responding at, at Betis. They absolutely love the fact that Betis are now ahead of Sevilla, that they beat Sevilla in the previous round of the uh, of the cup, uh, and that they can look at Sevilla finally after a long time not being able to like like face to face, eye level. I got a quiz question on Real Betis actually. Um, we'll we'll have to speed this up when it goes out because if any of you get this within sort of five seconds, I'll be so impressed. Uh, so the last time Real Betis won the Copa del Rey was 2005. They beat Osasuna. And I'm asking this question just because it gets it allows me the chance to mention this footballer because I can't imagine he's been mentioned for a while. Who scored Osasuna's goal in that final? Clue, former Australia international. John Aloisi? Oh, Guillaume, come on now. I, I, was, I wanted to say John Aloisi. John Aloisi, welcome know, back so. to the Euroleagues. <laughs> oh, man, you forgot in the last 15 minutes because we've been 15 minutes trying to get the name. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no, genuinely, for people listening, that was within five seconds, Guillaume. I'm very That's impressed. It. It's a friend of mine. Of course he's a friend of yours. <laughs> Of course, yes, John yes. Aloisi is a friend of yours. He's a, he's a lovely guy and uh, and one of those that uh, fell a little bit Martian being at Osasuna in Pamplona, uh, in Navarra, but uh, but really, really enjoyed his time his time there and uh, and that was the peak of his career with Osasuna. I remember him. Fond memories from him playing in England with, uh, with Portsmouth, uh, amongst others. Um, Guillaume, t- tell us about Rayo Vallecano then because... You know, on the pitch, things have, have almost never been better. There was a Sid, uh, Sid Lowe wrote a brilliant piece about this. The idea that off the pitch, you know, the divide between fans and owner has never been greater. Yes, it's like that. Um, on one hand, they've got a very exciting young manager in Andoni Iraola. Think of Ernesto Valverde. And it's more or less that kind of flexible uh, Basque who uh, maximizes the potential of the side, makes the football very exciting. Uh, on the other, uh, the fans are still with the team and they're helping them and they had a really good time yesterday at home as in, you know, all being together, fighting for to get into the final. They still got the second leg in, in Sevilla. But the stadium is a complete mess. It's falling apart. Uh, it doesn't belong to Rayo Vallecano. It belongs to the local government. But Rayo is supposed to maintain it and they not maintaining it. The worst toilets in history of football. Really, really <laughs> awful. Do you say that? Have you all Michelin starred San Sebastian? Have you? Rio Balacano toilet. end up in that. Guillaume, ever been to Barnsley? No, 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 no. This is <laughs> They'll because run I, think, I think the, uh, Martin Presa, the, the president of, uh, of Rio, is actually doing it on purpose. His idea will be that the whole thing would be almost derelict when he will buy it for peanuts. That's, I think, the idea. But, uh, you know, the, you buy a ticket and you go to your seat. Two other people bought the same ticket. Uh, you got a season ticket and then you, you don't have your own seat. Um, the, 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 the relationship between the club and the fans is awful. The relationship of the club with the players, not great. And the relationship of the club with the, uh, with the women's team, it's terrible. They're really badly treated. Um, the... I wanted to touch on that, Guillaume, actually. Let, yeah. let me just um, let me just read the, the context of that because it's a very important story. So Rio have employed uh, Carlos Santizo as the coach of their women's team. This is despite the fact that you know, he was forced out of his previous job because there was this leaked recording in which he, he made a joke about the sexual assault of women. 
and, and fans group have, have demanded that, that the club sack him. Um, one of the statements said, we cannot allow a person with such grave thoughts in their head to sit on the bench and represent Rio Vallecano. There was a banner hung at the, the training ground, Vallecas, saying, Santiso, out, respect for women. Uh, he released a statement apologising. But he also said in this statement, you know, effectively, how long do I have to carry this comment around with me? Um, and Rio have decided not to take action. So that's the situation that we're in. Um, it feels like a ridiculous situation. Yeah, he's, he's, he's now left, uh, but he was backed by the club. And there's a lot of things that uh, suggest that they want to destroy the, the woman side. But, but generally, it's a club really badly run that all of a sudden find themselves not just being promoted into the first division, but at the moment in the semifinals of the cup and doing really well in, um, in La Liga. In fact, uh, until about a couple of weeks ago, they were the best local side in La Liga. Uh, sorry, in Europe, with, uh, with only a draw and eight victories. They lost one since. But exciting on the pitch and really good <coughs> off the pitch. Ian, I still have a question on Betis. Will Joaquin finally retire if Betis win the cup? Because he's still around. He's, he's always been around, as it looks. Yeah, I think he was in that final. That was mentioned against Osasuna. So that was a long time ago. Uh, and the suggestion is that perhaps this is his last season. We've seen a little bit less of him. Is he 40, 41 now? Certainly. He's, he's my uh, age, uh, 41 then. So 41, so he's... Uh, he's it's, it's sad enough, but you know, the other reason why he thinks, you know, that his life outside football is so funny, so entertaining. You should see him. He's got insomnia like me, and he goes on Instagram at three o'clock in the morning, say, Hi, guys, and woman, what are you doing? Uh, you know, let's. I, I'll give you some jokes and start making jokes at three, four o'clock in the morning. He cannot sleep. He's a showman, and I think he will have a deal on television as soon as he retires, and deservedly so as well. Joaquin can't sleep, you don't sleep. That's the difference. Same thing, yes, yes. <laughs> it must have been more on that one airport that I just thought, what should I do at three o'clock while I'm waiting for the next plane? Oh, let's see if Joaquin is awake. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. James Horncastle, Guillaume Balaguer, Christoph Turat. I'll speak to you all soon, yeah? Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Look forward to it. On the Football Daily Podcast, this is the Euroleagues. Eddie Hearn and a new series of my podcast No Passion No Point is back on BBC Sounds I'm catching up with some of the biggest names in sport entertainment and business about the things that drive their success and keep them at the top of their game just doesn't seem healthy that we'd push this far and this long for five years for one race you know that isn't a normal thing to do no way I'm not scared of many things I'm not scared of the opponent not scared. I'm scared of losing when winning to use everything I just can't afford I just can't lose no passion no point with Eddie Hearn. Listen whenever you like on BBC Sounds. So that was uh, your Friday edition of Locker Room Live here on Joy 99.7 FM. And it was a deep dive into Europe's top five leagues, breaking down some of the trending topics. Uh, but before we go, uh, reminder that just because something doesn't taste sweet doesn't mean it has no sugar. Now, there are hidden sugars in food, and these sugars cause cavities and tooth decay and are even more active at night when we do not brush our teeth before bed.
bedtime. Your trusted and powerful Pepsodent cavity fighter toothpaste is fortified with profluoride complex and active microcalcium to give you double action and protection from cavities caused by food and drinks during the daytime and works twice as hard, repairing tiny invisible holes even hours after brushing at night. Pepsodent cavity fighter is available in all leading shops across the country and is sold for just six Ghana CDs. Remember, for double action and protection against cavities, brush your teeth twice daily in the morning and then at night before bedtime. So today, when you're going to bed, remember to grab yourself a Pepsodent cavity fighter and brush before you go to bed. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Seven FM Joy ninety nine point seven FM 
How long have you had to dance in the rain? How many lemonades have you made out of those lemons thrown at you? Whatever you have been through in life, one thing still remains. Change. Join me, Rosalie Feli, on Changes every Wednesday and Friday as we impact life and change the life. What changes every Wednesday and Friday only on Joy Prime. Joy Prime, the ultimate experience. how your day is going? Isn't it comforting to know that there's a place where you can relax and kick off your stress? The Cosmopolitan Mix on Joy FM with Dory Nando has it all. Education, inspiration, entertainment, celebrity interviews. What's up, man? Some way, Best variety of local favorites. Good morning. All on your favorite brunch time mix. Weekdays, 10 a.m. till noon. Joy 99.7 FM on your dial, online, and on all our social media handles. Hashtag Cosmopolitan Mix. You can also catch up with the Cosmopolitan Mix and all our shows via podcast. Just go to myjoyonline.com, podcast, and search for your favorite show and relive all those moments. Joy 99.7 FM, radio for discerning listeners. Cosmopolitan Mix is powered by Joy Entertainment. We're large and in charge. Tune in and find your joy. Keep the frequency clear. 99.7 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.